0: Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Brandon Wilson about overcoming leadership sabotage and the consequences of not being prepared for it. Brandon Wilson, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast.
1: Oh, thanks for having me, John.
0: It is a pleasure to be with you today, and I'm excited to have a nice dialogue today about a really interesting topic. We're going to be talking about leadership sabotage, what that means, what goes into it, and the consequences of not being prepared for it. As we get started, I wanted to share Brandon's bio with everybody. Brandon Wilson is one of the world's best communicators and sought-after executive consultants, His impact has helped leaders realize daring pursuits from building college campuses to addressing global wealth disparities. But more than this, Brandon is a survivor of leadership sabotage. His bout with betrayal, theft, and deceit cost him more than $600,000 and threatened his livelihood in an unthinkable way. Brandon's experience has taught him that despite a leader's talent level, having an inability to survive leadership sabotage can stop anyone from realizing their full potential. I think that's super interesting. I'm super excited to have this conversation. Before we dive on in, anything you would like listeners to know by way of your background or personal context?
1: No, I think you did a a great job. There's only one thing that I would add is that Uh, That I am passionate about helping leaders uh, unlock the courage, the strategies and even the pathway to doing really bold and audacious things. And that's what drives me every day, uh, which uh, makes this subject incredibly timely because leadership sabotage often plagues those who want to do things uh, more and advance further than where they are right now. So as soon as you want to improve yourself, improve your organization, improve your leadership, uh, advance in any way, Sabotage is activated and will quickly get to work. And so we want to get to work on how to decode this nemesis to progress so that we can become a better version of ourselves. I love it. I love it. Uh, So so let's
0: start really, I guess, by by defining this uh you know i think everyone listening is probably has a, a an idea in their mind about what leadership sa- sabotage might mean or what their experience with that might be but how do you frame that up in your own mind and then we can go from there
1: well jonathan I, I would actually be curious to to know how many of your listeners truly have an accurate idea of what leadership sabotage is first let's let's talk about what we believe it to be uh, we believe it to be uh these high-flying acts of theft that's coordinated with multiple people and they come in and time it precisely and there are these corporate coups that happen uh that that threaten our jobs and our livelihoods and and um and these really, really coordinated and clean activities that are really big and and, and bold uh, sabotage is that it is that we see that with corporations who cook the books and uh, who lie and get other people to go along with them? Uh, look at Enron. You look at people who uh, are are professional fraudsters, or who become professional fraudsters who have these headline grabbing activities, uh, like Elizabeth Holmes and company over at Theranos, who 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 knowingly uh, took people's money for a product that was inadequate and insufficient, and got people to go along with those things, but It's not just that, and and it is also other things. And so the definition, the working definition for you and your your audience members, and and we define it in the book, is any activity, I'm going to bag that up, any activity that seeks to destroy, frustrate, or slow down your pursuits for personal gain. Any activity. So now let's look at that definition again. You know, there are people who were at Theranos who simply lied to visitors and said, listen, there's nothing in that room. No need to go there. A small lie, they will never come up in a book, their name will never be presented in a courtroom. They knowingly sabotaged. That person's pursuit to getting to that room, whatever that investigator's role was, whatever that investor's role was, whatever that board member's role was, they frustrated, slowed it down for personal gain. And maybe that personal gain was to curry favor with the CEO or to not have their jobs at, you know, it's part of any, any investigation. Uh, employee defiance is sabotage. This is one we see a lot and we don't think a lot about. I am a manager, a director, and executive you know i asked my vice president my my uh, my supervisor or whomever I'm, I'm i'm leading to to i don't know to to deliver an important message to uh, a partnered organization it may happen but it only happens after a lot of back and forth a lot of conversation a lot of convincing this is not the right thing to do, this is what I believe in, why are we doing this? That defiance frustrates, slows down the director or supervisor executive's pursuits for personal gain for that person. And so when you start thinking about it in a holistic sense as any activity, you start to quickly realize that sabotage is all around us. I mean, it is sweat to a marathon runner Uh, Sabotage is the air to any leader seeking to do big things.
0: Yeah, thank you for that. Um, And what comes to mind as you're describing that is there's all these different types of sabotage that can occur. It can be external to us. There can be others around us, behaviors, uh, things that are said, uh, even sabotage-oriented mechanisms that may be intentional or unintentional within organizations. Um, But there's also self-sabotage. There's Absolutely. also, right, we, we, we self-destruct all the time. We, we shoot <laughs> ourselves in the foot all the time, um, and we engage in self-sabotage, I think, more often than many of us would think. And, and, and I, any thoughts on the self-sabotage element?
1: I have multiple. The, 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 the last 35 to, I think, 40% of my book focuses on self-sabotage. And it hones in on it. And let me, let me stop for a second to share that when you go to the bookstore and you want to become a better version of yourself, we often find books about how to, how to hack a system, how to get things quicker. If we don't talk about systems or mechanisms, we talk about how to get other people to do things, how to lead with carrots. Uh, And then when we talk about ourselves, how we can become better interpersonally uh, or personally, we we talk about things like being resilient, showing up on time, doing what you say you're going to do. In each one of those genres, there is a gap. And the gap is understanding the forces and mastering, overcoming the forces of sabotage, of leadership and self-sabotage. You know, for every Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., there were thousands of him. There are probably hundreds of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s. Let's let's be very clear. 99 of them were victims of sabotage, whether they be external or self. Steve Jobs. There are likely 300 other Steve Jobs who had bold ideas to change the way we communicate with the world. There's only one Steve Jobs who survived he's a brilliant he was a brilliant guy he survived leadership sabotage from john scully he was even a victim of it and overcame it and in the second act he became best known for his wisdom and uh, his ability to discern those who were for his pursuits and those who were not for his pursuits and we consider those leaders dr king steve jobs and others incredibly wise because they mastered this very uh, rarely talked about leadership discipline that we're talking about today and the reason it's so important to understand how to master and then overcome the forces of leadership sabotage is like in the instance of Steve Jobs like in the instance of Dr. King if we don't have those ability we allow saboteurs to rob the world of the gifts of our leadership. And this is why this is so consequential today. But to your question, Jonathan, what's really important is to know that those same forces that we talk about external, that steal, betray, that frustrate, uh, displace, misplace all of our pursuits, we have those same attributes within us and we still betray and lie to ourselves uh, probably more effectively than anybody else can. <laughs> uh, and so the, 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 the last 40% of my book, and you can almost cut it in half, uh, but the last portion talks about overcoming self-sabotage. And to do that, it is first understanding the fact that the, the, the best, most skillful, most cunning saboteur is likely looking you in the mirror every day. Um, the best thieves of our ideas and pursuits have our hands. And once we realize that, we can really take a comprehensive look at the forces of sabotage and then take an honest look to see with cues, which are outlined in the book, I call it the uh, the spectrum of susceptibility to self-sabotage. Finding yourself on that spectrum to figure out what forces what things in your lived experiences lead you to sabotage yourself consistently and when you realize that there are also tactics and uh, and actionable things inside the book that you can do to start not sabotaging yourself and start becoming a better version of yourself
0: so how do we start to do that how do we uh, short circuit the sabotage, either self-sabotage or others around us. You mentioned jobs and others who were able to, you know, they got really good at recognizing who they could trust, who was really in it for, for the, the vision of the organization and of jobs or, or whoever the leader was versus who was looking for ways to position themselves through various sabotaging techniques and politicking and just all the other nonsense that often happens within organizations.
1: Yeah, let me first make a comparison and then we'll get into how to diagnose your environments, your networks, and your yourself. Uh, the, the, the example, the analogy that I like to give is, is that of a, uh, there are two. I'll start with a mechanic. Uh, well, let's start with a healthcare professional. Uh, and let's say this healthcare professional is a surgeon uh, who is incredibly health aware. Uh, this surgeon understands the the how the body should function. Um, if that person is a primary, when not doing surgery, uh, you'll go to this person and say, "Hey, doc, you know my elbows feeling funny." And the doctor could then look at all of the forces and ask questions to query the patient to figure out what thing in the arm, the shoulder, the wrists, the knuckles, the fingers that may be operating illy or against what it's built or designed to do that may be causing a symptom of pain in the elbow. If surgery is needed, they then go in and they're faced with two options once they identify that thing that has betrayed the arm. I want to use that language very specifically, that has betrayed the arm. They have a decision whether to repair the ligaments, which works, but then you constantly have to sort of work it out, do therapy, and you have to remain disciplined or that pain will return, or to remove and replace with something more permanent that will not need the same amount or the same length of treatment. The other example is a mechanic, a mechanic of an airplane. Before that plane gets in the air, that mechanic needs to understand or know if this plane can make it from from New York to Dubai, because it has several (laughs) uh, customers on it. And it does the same thing, it diagnoses whether a Something has been in a function for too long. I want to underline that. I wish this was a book. I write. I I talk like a like a like a book, but you can highlight that 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 phrase. Something has been in a function for too long. There is debris that has entered in that is starting to erode some of the functionality, or there are parts that are that are betraying what it was designed to do. That's getting that plane to not reach its maximum potential.
0: Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us. Bluer Than Indigo Leadership, the journey of becoming a truly remarkable leader.
1: we hire that mechanic to do work in order to figure out, diagnose, and to replace or repair those things. So I'll give you a healthcare professional. i am giving you a mechanic. Now I want to make you a leadership master by giving you the tools needed to figure out if people in your network, in your departments, have the same underlying attributes that could make them susceptible to engaging in sabotaging ways? Have they been in their position for too long? Have they been passed over for promotion? Did you enter the organization at the same time as them and you're now their supervisor? Let's talk about you. Have Did you grow up with parents who had lofty and unattainable dreams of what you could become. Did you grow up up in a household who talked eerily of people who took risk in order to advance their own situation? And now you are a hoarder of money, scared to take risk, scared to move forward. When we start really thinking about life in the same way we think about those practical everyday things that we put our lives and we get in cars, we get in airplanes, we go to doctors, we go under the knife, we need to start thinking about our leadership journeys in the same way and what i like to give you without getting too technical and making this a workshop i'd like to share with you four things that you can look for in your life and in your le- in your leadership ecosystem or atmosphere these things that you can see that lets you know that sabotage has gotten into your midst and is close to you i call these the four horsemen of sabotage These are things you can see. You can see. And after I say this, you're going to start seeing sabotage or the potential of it before it even strikes you. You're going to walk outside your front door, walk outside your corporate office, and you're going to see horsemen, proverbial horsemen running past your your office door like you're in the wild, wild west. (laughs) So buckle up. There are four of them in no particular order. The four horsemen. And these are the horses that sabotage rides on no matter what form they take. The first horseman is jealousy. If you hear or see someone using language, limiting language about his or her peers, and it may not necessarily have to be you, then you know that that horseman is in your midst. When they start saying, why is it that Jane gets and I don't? Why is it that we believe that she is and I'm not? And what's really important there is that, that we think we understand jealousy, but we really, we really have a, 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 some more ceiling of education to go with regards to, to understanding jealousy. Jealousy is the most, uh, well, uh, it's the most, is jealousy is the most misunderstood of the horsemen. Um, it starts as a notion at jealousy. Why is a, the pie is fixed mentality? But if it escalates, if that horseman becomes more skilled, it becomes uh, fueled by covetedness, which is a force that drives activity that leads those around you and even yourself to start taking action to conceal, steal, or hide opportunities for progress from you. And in cases that gets really severe, we may hide steal opportunities or the saboteur does from other people, and then once we get those folks out of the way, we take and utilize those opportunities we've stolen and hid for ourselves and our own personal gain. And so there's these levels to this horse of jealousy, and every one of the horses has levels. Uh, there's another horse uh, of lying. Uh, whenever you hear or see liars around you, or you start to lie uh, to others about yourself and about your own goals, about your own objectives, about your own life, about your own potential. Think about it. We get a new job. We have a staff meeting in our department. We're now the executive vice president. You're at your most vulnerable because you're now at a place where your talents are stretched. I mean, you don't know the people, the responsibilities, what it takes to get it done. You're faced with a really quick choice. Do you try to make yourself feel uh, appear bigger or larger than you are? and employ imaginative thinking with your employees to get to trick them or to lie to them on how to, you know, when it comes to how to see you? Or, or, or are you honest and do an assessment of the skills and talents around you and unlock the, the power of collective impact? One is shrinking, the other is enlarging. And you have a choice, every time you come in your midst, you have a choice on whether or not you yourself wants to jump on the horsemen men of, of lying. But there's no small lie. You know, liars do so for a reason. And one of the reasons why liars lie is to distract from themselves. Don't look at my inadequacies. And I want you to think of yourself yourself now. You're standing in that staff meeting. Don't look at me. I want you to look at some of the things I did when I was comfortable, capable, and masterful. Look at my past. And I want you to believe that. Don't look at me. Don't look at my vulnerabilities, my weaknesses, and my opportunities For development here and the fact that I desperately need you to perform in order for me to rise to the next level. That's one of the reasons why liars lie. Another reason why liars lie and the reason why it's so important that we stop this horseman is because it prepares us or equips us with insufficient or inadequate information to make decisions. So that's why there's no lie that should go missed. Now the other horseman is arrogance and arrogance needs no introduction. Uh, it is characterized by a fierce appetite for competition um, and uh, a knack to always win. Uh, and the power that fuels that competition is called ambition. You start hearing people. Now you're going to go to meetings and people say, I'm an ambitious employee. I'm an ambitious manager. You're going to you should hear that differently because ambition is, is a character flaw. It is a character flaw that has been positioned to sound positive because we are are accustomed to affinity bias. We like to see ourselves as ambitious. So people like to see themselves as ambitious. And there's a leadership law that that gives contagion to your organization, if that is the case. It's called the law of replication, the leadership law of replication. So it's really important that we understand that arrogance is fueled by ambition and an insatiable appetite for competition. And the reason why ambition is a character flaw because the more you feed it accomplishments, the more it wants. And that fuels blind ambition and decisions that could be characterized uh, as reckless because you put blinders on and you want to go and achieve with with a lack of regard for the harm or the damage or impact that it has to the people who are around you. And the last horsemen are the seducers, uh, the horsemen of seduction. And we're not talking about in a sexual sense. We're talking about uh, in, in, the, in the sense, in the luring sense. There are people who use this horseman and all of its forces to get us to go along with them, along their journeys and adventures to do incredible things. They're well manicured, they're exciting, they uh, are charismatic. People love to be around them, and they are stamped with the right on their forehead as high potential. This is a high potential leader. And they know it, and they need you in order to unlock every every plus or every advance that they ever get. Um, because they may be fueled um, with the, or intoxicated by the same ambition or character flaw that we talked about, the seduction is really not about achieving anything if they're on this horseman. It's about getting you to say yes to joining them in reckless, unseemly, and activity that sometimes get close to the line of ethics. You know, those who are masters at riding this horse believe that um, the ends are not justified by the means. Uh, And the more people that they can get around them uh, to go along their journey, the more patsies they have to throw under the bus. If danger gets close to their doorstep. Yeah. Well, that's
0: super interesting, Brandon. I appreciate you laying those out. Uh, and I definitely, you know, as you were describing each of those, I'm like, yeah, I see those around me all the time. (laughs) And, you know, they, they just, unfortunately, we are fallible human beings and, and, and we're in messy organizations. And so there are, you know, there are plenty of really good, healthy people who do healthy things. And then there are plenty of unhealthy people. (laughs) And so we just, we just need to be aware of that. Well, Brandon, it has been a pleasure. I know the time, and I'm going to have to let you go here in just a minute, but before we close, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners, how they can get connected with you, find out more about your work, your book, and then give us a final word on the topic for today.
1: Yeah. Brandonwilson.co go to brandonwilson.co, brandonwilson.co. You can buy the book there. It's called Sabotage, Leadership That Overcomes Betrayal, Theft, and Deceit. You can also book time on my calendar and share with me some of the challenges that you're facing in your leadership journey. And I will, for free, no nothing, no strings attached, uh, respond to that calendar request and, and share my time with you to help you unlock the next levels of your life.
0: Wonderful. Thank you, Brandon. It's been a pleasure. I encourage leaders and listeners to reach out and get connected, find out more about what Brandon can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership